Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So, I want a long list of anything you have ever heard in the church, in your mind, you've read about. Not getting healing because of past sin or an unforgiveness. Healed because, because of past sin. And what were you saying? Right. Some of these might be true. Some of them might be true. I'm not saying they're all wrong. Some of them might be true. Uh, you need to forgive what before. Before you'll get your healing. Get healed. Yeah. Yes, very good. Cessation is a. The age of miracles is no longer available. Cessation. Cessation. Do people say that? Ah, <laughs> uh, sickness teaches you a lesson. It is cessationism. I think that's a word. Uh, okay, so not healed because not enough faith. Come on, we normally get a whole page. Don't tell me you guys haven't heard all these uh, stuffs. God doesn't want you healed or wants you sick. Okay, God, God doesn't. Not his will. Suffering is important, okay. Yeah. Oh, in the flesh. Yes, very good. Paul prayed that he would get rid of this thorn in the flesh and Jesus, and God said, no, 
your my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> you, you could okay you are unworthy what well, happened somewhere else only happens in Africa Pretty well. Um, okay, cursed. Yeah. The thing is, you, you, I mean, we can say, yeah, we know the answer to all this, but you come across people who deeply believe these things. And, um, it's really hard for them to get healed if you really deeply believe that, you know, your great uncle so-and-so did something and that's why you've got it, then... Yeah. And mine, yeah. It's part of the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. This one, suffering, it's really easy. Because what happens is, we, as human beings, we can have this ideal about healing. And some of us don't even have an ideal about healing. Some of us don't actually believe God wants everybody healed. Some of us think God only heals a few. So even if you have a perfect view of healing, we still don't see everybody healed. And what we then do is we start to try and answer the question, why? And usually we come up with one of these answers as to why, because that's what human beings want to know. Why, 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 why? And, and so we create a healing theology based on our experience that not everybody is healed. And we then start to try and work out, well, why? There must be some kind of a, a reason. And, and what I really want to kind of, you know, make sure that we decide we will never do it is start living a theology of our answers to the question why, which might sound really scriptural. I mean, thorn in the flesh sounds really scriptural. Jesus suffered, so we suffer. It sounds really, really, um, you know, great. But my kind of belief is as long as we have a healing belief system based on any of these, we're in a vicious circle and we won't see as much healing as we want to see. And my kind of passion is how do we get out of it as a church corporately and see the healing that we know is ours to see. And um, I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying as soon as you do that, immediately everybody that you ever look to lay hands on immediately rises up, walks and goes and has dinner. But um, 
it's just we have to do something because we're not, you know, we have to shift something because as a corporate body of the church, the way we think does not bring healing to the world. So uh, if the way we're thinking isn't working, then we need to repent and change our thinking. So I'm just trying to provoke us into, into not allowing um, stuff that is, sounds very holy, it sounds very reasonable, to, but it actually, I think, probably hinders us seeing healing in the long term. And I understand why we do it. I do it myself. It is really difficult when you've got sickness yourself or you're praying for somebody and you do not see them healed. It's really difficult. And as human beings, we then start to create a theology about it. And that's why people say, it's over. God doesn't heal anymore. That's a really easy stance to take, you know. If you want an easy life when it comes to healing, just decide God doesn't heal anymore. Life gets easier, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, well, that's what people do because people... For, for various reasons, it's not malicious, it's not out of people not wanting to believe in healing or believe in God. It's just we, we can't deal with what we see. So we have to try and explain what we see. And um, these are some of the reasons that we, we do that. What else? I mean, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. What, what else? Occult. Occult. What? What about that? Is a reason? I've got friends who believe their excuse for their life is if it's a mess and they're not receiving healing, all types of healing is because they've got. So it prevents it prevents healing. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? History is having a power over them. Has power to. Okay. Yep. Jesus never did. It's just what people think went forward or wanted or whatever. What did you say about Jesus? Can't take the Bible literally. And, yeah, and, and they just made it up and somehow they saw that Jesus was must have been somehow living but was just a good human being. And for Okay. Okay. Anything else before we get to the bottom? I think we've done pretty well. Um, oh, am I not? I'm distracting you with my uh, lack of <laughs> symmetry. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's fine. Now you look at me in my perfection. <laughs> Anything else? How about God uses doctors these days? Doctors instead. 
these days. So he only heals when there isn't when no other option, something like that. Anything else? It's like because a lot of people think God. I think a lot of people who say all these things also believe in a good God. I think, yeah. Well, He is actually good, and He actually wants, but for some reason He can't. God's sovereign will. Yeah, mysterious ways. If you come up with any others, then we'll add them to the list. So, it, it's not. Really um, an easy topic and, you know, for my personal kind of history in all of this, I've kind of swung quite a lot in, in different kind of directions about it. So I'm sure you all know my background is medical. Um, I basically always wanted to be a doctor, never thought anything about it. Um, when I went into medicine, I really believed that I was doing God's work as in God didn't have to heal anymore because I was basically doing it for him. And bottom line, probably I was better at it than he was because if you looked at the evidence, if people came to me, they got better. And if people trusted God, they probably didn't get better. That was just my kind of stance about it because my experience of healing at that time was you know what, people probably just don't get healed. Maybe in Africa, maybe, I didn't know about Heidi Baker then, but maybe if Heidi Baker's praying or somebody, maybe, maybe if they're really desperate, God will step in and heal. But basically, um, probably God has just given doctors for healing. That would have been my, my stance. And... Um, I mean, I, I do believe God helped me to be a good doctor. I was very successful in my career. I don't believe God ever quite kind of expressed any disapproval of me as a doctor. Um, and I, my approach to healing when I, because I, I was in a church in Manchester uh, down near the university, which we believed in healing, and then I moved to Kingsway, definitely believe in healing. My personal approach, because my journey might be part of my personality rather than, you know, God said this to me, therefore he's saying it to everybody else, um, was, you know what, I'm just really happy for anybody who wants to pray for healing. Personally, if I'm sick, I'm probably not going to go to the doctor because I don't trust them um, unless I can be in control of what they're doing because I know how many bad doctors there are out there. Um, and I'll just manage to deal with my own, you know, issues. Um, but if, if you needed healing, then I couldn't quite hack it personally. Because 
in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking, you know what, guys, just go to the doctor. You're going to be better off. Uh, and God probably isn't going to heal you anyway. That was my, yeah, that was my kind of history. I wouldn't have said that. I'd have prayed for you as well, but I'm just telling you what my kind of underlying belief system was. I just believed people were better off with me because at least I would do something and God probably wouldn't. Okay, this was, I'm talking about 20 years ago. And so I kind of opted out on the healing issue on the basis that I, I was really happy for people to pray for healing. I was really happy for me to be prayed for for healing, but I wasn't going to be on the healing team because I just couldn't. And, and, and I had this lovely idea, you know, that as a Christian doctor, you know, I'd float into the ward every morning and lay hands on all the sick and they'd get up from the beds and... But it just never happened. and I never prayed for my patients. And I mean, I'm not saying I never. Sometimes I'd pray for help. Sometimes I'd pray for help in diagnosing or for help in operating or stuff like that. So I wasn't being completely secular in my work. But I, 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 never, I never really, um, you know, said to people, God can heal this. I only ever once addressed a spiritual issue at work. And that was because it was just so overwhelmingly obvious why this woman was sick that I just couldn't keep my mouth shut. So she walked in with her husband, who she proceeded to verbally abuse for the next, you know, 15 minutes, going on about how awful he was, how terrible he was, how he'd done this, what he'd done that. And it was all, all sorts of stuff. And I, when I took it into examiner, you know, eventually I just had to say, you know, because she had a lot of sicknesses where she'd been sick forever and not never found anything. I, I mean, the cause of that sickness is unforgiveness. And uh, I told her in the nicest possible way I could, but of course she wasn't very impressed with me for doing that. But that's the only time that I've actually ever managed to really address the real base issue of sickness with a, with a patient. So I was really, um, I, can't, I was happy being a doctor really happy being a doctor, really enjoyed it. But I kind of wasn't happy with the healing side of stuff because I just felt like a hypocrite, to be honest. And I just, I knew personally I didn't believe. I just knew deep down I didn't believe. I knew God could, but I didn't know that he would. And the evidence was that he didn't. So that would have been my kind of personal stance. And the safest place for me at that time was to opt out. So all those lovely holy people like Irvin who can keep going and pray for the sick and be a doctor at the same time. Fantastic. I love them, encourage them. But for me, I just, I just felt so much unbelief about healing that I just really couldn't. So that was just me. So I'd been involved for years and years from being a student with this kind of prayer, ministry, mission kind of stuff. And as a result of going to one of the conferences of this international prayer organization um i i met this lady who was a malaysian pastor and i listened to a preach and honestly i sat there and thought you are off your mind and she was kind of talking like along the lines of um god doesn't need doctors to heal uh, god didn't give us doctors for healing um, it wasn't God's plan for our healing that we would use the system of modern medicine. I mean, my speciality is modern medicine. Of course, there's a lot of other specialities. And I'm sitting at the back of this conference, which was in India, and thinking, this woman is off her mind. 
she obviously hates doctors. Maybe she's had a bad experience with the doctor. Maybe she, um, maybe she doesn't uh, understand. Maybe she's a bit simple. Maybe she doesn't understand how doctors have done such a great thing in this world with all the vaccinations and how many people would die if you know whatever. Um, so she chatted, and and at the same time she was chatting, uh, preaching, she was giving these testimonies of healing. And as she spoke, she used a lot of examples from the scripture and, and really backed up everything she said with scripture. So I was very, very irritated with her. Um, I was very, very irritated with the fact she'd give me a couple of books, which I basically threw, th threw to the back of my bookshelf when I got back home and um, wasn't particularly bothered about this experience I'd had with this lady except she did seem to see healing more than we saw and she did seem to believe what the bible said so anyway a year later we ended up having a I was part of the uh, board of uh, board of this charity so we were involved in doing the um, conferences which we were having in Malaysia and I'd been asked to give a talk on medical mission uh, to reach the nations, something like that. And um, I never spoke anywhere. I, I, it was really out of my depth, but, but bless her, the president of this organization just really wanted to encourage me to move out into something different. And uh, there was a, a Ghanaian doctor who was part of the team who was a fantastic um, speaker amazing kind of woman of God and she was going to do this talk with me so I thought that's great she can do it and I'll just linger about in the background and anyway a couple of weeks before the conference of course this Ghanaian doctor decides she's not coming to the conference so this is left to me to do and I'd got this message through saying seeing as we're doing this conference in Malaysia and this pastor is going to be the host of the conference, she has requested that we don't speak on medical mission because it's not her platform that she would teach on. So she doesn't want that going on. So we had this little discussion about who does she think she is? This is ridiculous. You know, she can't tell us what we're going to do in our in an hour kind of meeting and whatever. And um, so I was tasked with the job of, um, you know, doing this talk on the scriptural foundation for medical mission which is quite a fascinating exercise because it doesn't actually exist. So God never said, you know, go out, preach the gospel, take your vaccination and all the drugs that you can take and, um, you know, go and, go and do medical. He doesn't, no. He does talk about healing and he does commission us to go out and heal, but he doesn't specifically talk about that. Now, you can say, well, in those days, there weren't any doctors and there wasn't any medicine. So that's why Jesus never sent people out with medicine, because now we're more modern and more advanced and whatever. Um, so I was a bit stuck giving this talk about medical mission. Now, I know you can go to a place and you can get a medical camp and you can do good things and... And I had actually done it once. I'd been to Nepal to do it. And honestly, as a doctor, I had an absolute ball. I loved it. I, it was just like perfect medicine for me. I sat there. There's four of us sitting there in the operating theatre. No messing about. 
no waiting for the porters to bring the patients. Basically, the patients jump on the table. You did their whatever repair. And um, they jump off the table and the next one jumps on the table. And I must have done, between us, we did about 100 in a week. You know, it's great medicine. Wonderful experience for me. Loved it. Out in the middle of nowhere. Patients queuing all night to see you. Fantastic. I felt like amazing. And um, we never preached the gospel once. Now, this is what I was feeling at this time. I now, having come into what we now talk about, about loving our community and whatever, I would see it in a different way. But at that time, I just thought, you know, the Buddhists do this as well. And the Muslims do this as well. And, and the secular humanists also do medical camps. So what is inherently godly about a medical camp? Nothing really. Um, I can put up a load of slides in church and you will think I'm an amazing person, um, but am I any more amazing because I just went and had a ball of a time in Nepal doing a lot of exciting operations? Is that, is that really the gospel? That's what I was thinking of at that time. Okay. So I was struggling a bit with this, with this idea of, of doing this talk. And um, so we went to the conference in Malaysia. It was a wonderful conference. And Pastor Jean got up and started her stuff again. And um, I was just in a place with God at that time. I think we'd, you know, all the Toronto stuff had happened. We'd really got into soaking and I'd really been, you know, just finding a lot of rest in God and really wanted to do what he wanted me to do. And... As we were, um, as she was speaking, she was giving all these testimonies. And, and, you know, she's got some amazing testimonies and testimonies that you just dream of. So, for example, her brother-in-law, her son-in-law, um, her, her story is she was saved from a Buddhist background like that, dramatically converted, completely dramatically healed from a mental breakdown, made well, encounter with Jesus, Bam, that's it. Read the Bible, whatever the Bible said she did. That is her story. So when she read the Bible and, and it says Jesus is the healer and healing comes from him, she just thought, well, that's it. And from that point on, for the last 40 years, has lived her life as Jesus is the healer because that's what the Bible says. Okay. So that was her life experience. So she was talking out of this. So they had really got to the point of just never needing to go to the doctor because if they got sick, they prayed. And um, her son-in-law got admitted to hospital because somebody else had taken him to hospital because he was really sick. And he hadn't wanted to go, but he was really sick and couldn't stop going. And they thought he had meningitis and he didn't have meningitis. And eventually they realised he had bacterial endocarditis, which is where you get a bacterial infection on your heart valve. And then the heart valve crumbles up and sends little clots throughout your blood. And then it gives you little strokes everywhere. So he'd had a couple of strokes in the brain, in the kidneys, the spleen. He'd got, he was semi-conscious. And um, long story, if you're interested, you can, you know, I'll show you the slides or whatever. But they wanted to operate and do an emergency heart valve replacement. But the family didn't want it because they didn't believe in medical stuff. So they eventually took him, took the whole family to court because he couldn't give his consent and the family wouldn't give consent. And um, so they went to court about this issue. But because they considered the family to be so, you know, out of their minds, they appointed a guardian 
to stand for the family. And basically, the family won the court case and took Eugene home. And um, you can see it over a couple of days. He just gets better. Um, Pasadena, they had a conference at, ch at that church. This is in Australia. And um, they, um, got, she got the elders of the church to pray. Of course, half the elders of the church were doctors and were like terrified at praying for this semi-conscious guy on the floor. And um, anyway, you can see from the pictures over a couple of days, he just gets better. He's never been to the doctor since. He's perfectly fit and well. He's, I went to see him in London a few weeks ago. Uh, they've got nine kids. He's, a, you know, he's fit, fit and well and fine. And as a doctor, I'm like, you know what? That's the Christianity that I really want to see. I, it really excited me. And he got loads of, she got loads of other stories about healing. So I was really excited by the testimony and feeling like there's part of me that thinks that's what it's really about. This kind of mundane existence where I'm doing God's work as a doctor. Yeah, it's great. You know, it is great. And I can do lots of good things. But when you hear people say, these kind of exploits of faith, and they actually dare to do it. I was just really kind of excited by that. And they'd, they'd got the Minister of Health for Malaysia, who had been healed by um, uh, kind of coming for prayer at her ministry and whatever, a load of massive testimony. So he, he was there at the time and said, you know, my whole ministry of healing couldn't heal me, but when I got prayer. So... Um, she was teaching, uh, Pastor Jean was teaching on Matthew 10, which says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And... As she was kind of reading this verse, which I guess I would have known it, it's Matthew 10, 1. Um, I just really felt Holy Spirit speak to me as I was sitting in this conference, kind of just saying, that, just having this conversation with God, saying, what if that's actually true? What if... If we are disciples, God has given us power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. What if that's true? Now, I know there's lots of arguments and, you know, it ends up in this cessationist argument. Well, yes, those are the 12 chosen disciples and Jesus needed those men around him to do that stuff. But that was just for them because he needed a big, you know, he needed a big show to prove that he was God on earth. But actually, we know even from this morning, Jesus didn't heal anybody as a big show to prove that he was the son of God. Many times he said to them, don't tell anybody. He wasn't doing it to demonstrate his godliness. His motivation for doing it was, I would say, compassion. So I don't think there's any evidence that Jesus did miracles to prove that he was God. It, it did, in one aspect, prove he was God. But his, he, he many times said, don't tell them. You know, there's the time he, he healed the blind man on the road and um, he said to them, don't go back into the city and don't tell them. And the guy immediately clears off back into the city. And Jesus, from that point, could not go into any city ever again. It says, you know, he had to stay out in the countryside because 
the, the, the cl clamor and, cl and, and crowds around him. So her message was basically on the fact that if we are disciples of Jesus, then according to this, we've been given power to cast out unclean spirits and the power to heal. How much sickness? And how much disease? All of it. And I'm not going to go into it, but if you go to Luke 9 and Luke 10, Jesus also gave the same power to 70 or 72, depending on which ones, which um, version you want to read. Uh, and so he, he didn't just give it to his 12. He then gave it to another 70. And then if you, uh, Phil was, was um, quoting this scripture in Mark 16, after Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to the 11 at the table. So this is Mark 16, 14. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, and this is this commission that he commissioned those um, that were there, go into, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Not those 11 that are left, not the 70 that I, but these signs will follow those who believe. And these are the signs. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I was just sat having this conversation with God as this kind of preaching was going on. Along the lines of, what if that's true? What if those of us that believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover? It doesn't say, we'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover until such a time as modern medicine develops to the extent that you don't need that. Um, it, doesn't say any, it doesn't say anything. It just says that is the power that those who believe have been given. And I just, I just thought, God, what? I kind of had this vision of another church apart from the one that I'd seen or another group of disciples of those that believe that we've been given power to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease, full stop. And um, then it says, back to Matthew 10, um, the commission that Jesus gave the 12. So he sent them out. So Matthew 10, verse 7, and he says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this was their commission. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And I just really felt like there was this kind of commissioning, really, of any of us who believe that that is our job. Okay, I know that sounds a bit of a difficult word in our grace theology, but it's almost like this is the vision that God had. This is how he meant it to be, that those of us who believe, who have been given this power, go and do it. And um, job sounds a bit like it's, you know, a difficult thing, but I don't mean it in those words. It's just like this was God's intention. I think that's what I'm trying to say. This was what God had in mind, that those of us who believe would do this and this is my story now, okay? Um, 
I just really believe that God said to me at that time, this healing that you're in is not my way. It's not my, was never my intention. And there was a number of days after that that I was in this really turmoil, really, thinking, well, God, if there is another way of healing, if there is another way, if this wasn't, you didn't intend all your all Christians to become, you know, Christian doctors and do that, then what is that other way? And um, so I just, for me, really believe God say, there's another way. This isn't, that isn't what I had intended for healing. Long and short of it, for various different reasons, having had a really lot of turmoil about, well, God, if it's not your way, I want to be doing it your way. And yet I just got my consultant job. I just moved house to live near my consultant job. I'd, you know, I'd just finally, finally written my thesis and got my doctorate and I'd spent years and years and years. And, you know, this, when my consultant colleague, when I finally got my qualification, so I did gynae sur cancer surgery, so it was a super specialised training. And um, when I finally got my certificate of subspecialist training, my consultant said to me, thank God, Rebecca, I'm not going to have to die of a heart attack now because you'll be able to do half the work in the city. Because there's only about five of us in the city that dealt with women's cancer. So um, that was his attitude. And, and I just had this real dilemma for days and days about this enormous responsibility on me. That I had been trained to do this specialised job and I was needed and all these people had invested in me. And, and yet there's another part of me saying, but God, if there's another way... If there's something else you'd intended for us as believers to bring healing, then I don't know whether I want to be in that system. Love it as much as I do. So God never told me to stop doing medicine. God never said, thou shalt not be a doctor. He never said anything, really. He just said, there's another way. And I chose to step out of doing that and see what the other way was. So I, was, I got back home from Malaysia and I, d I knew my own heart and I knew that if I didn't make a decision there and then, I would never leave medicine because I just absolutely loved it. And I'd got a whole operating list of patients left for me to do that afternoon that I arrived back home. And um, so I basically wrote this resignation letter on the plane as I'm flying home. And um, I went, Andy, I think Sharon picked me up at the airport and because um, they lived just around the corner from me at the time. And I said to her, is Andy home? And she said, yes. I said, oh, I just need to speak to you before I go to work. And she kind of looked at me and said, you're not leaving, are you? I said, I don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, I went to them and said, I really believe God said to me that medicine is not for me anymore. Um, what do you think? If you don't agree with me, I will not give my resignation letter in today. If you do agree with me, I will, because I, I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't not make the decision. If I'd have left it in the air, I would still be practicing as a doctor today because I just loved it. And um, Sharon said to me, I think, I think what you're saying is correct, which was a real shock to me because I didn't expect her to say that. So her having said that, and there was a number of prophetic words I'd had over my life. So there'd been this word that said, there will be a suddenly in your life and everything will change. And I'm on the plane thinking, God, is this you? Is it not you? Is it you? Is it not you? Have I gone mad? 
Are these people mad? What shall I do? I can't give up my job. I can't, I can't, I can't. You know, and, and I remembered this, this prophetic word saying there will be a suddenly in your life and everything will change. And I thought, gosh, this is definitely a suddenly. And another, another word had been something, somebody who didn't know me at all had said something like, I don't know what it is you do in the world at the moment, but it's very important. But God is saying to you, don't set your hope in it forever because he's not what, it's not what he has for you forever. And I'd remembered that part of this word. So um, I had enough evidence really to believe that God was saying something to me. But what I want to make really clear is God did not say to me, thou shalt not be a doctor. That's not how God speaks. He made me an offer. He said, you can carry on if you want to carry on or you can, you know, look into an, a, different, a different way. Anyway, I resigned and it was just absolutely terrible. The reason, by the way, that Sharon said what she said is one year earlier, God had told her I would not practice medicine for much longer, but she had never told me. So um, that's why she was confident just to say, yeah, I believe what God is saying is right. So anyway, thus started quite a long journey for me of kind of going, coming into a understanding of what the scripture said about healing and so I went over to Malaysia which was my choice God didn't tell me to go to Malaysia but I chose to go to Malaysia and join this ministry and um, it was absolutely fascinating time really rich valuable time and some not very nice parts as well and um, but just quite a fascinating kind of mix of a lot of different things but the interesting thing about the ministry is they did not believe in doctors full stop so we never went to the doctor and actually it's quite a common thing it's not as unusual as you would think there's loads of groups especially in america yeah that don't go to the doctor at all now i can tell you a lot of um you know a lot of kind of reasons why you shouldn't go to the doctor but to be honest i don't believe it anymore but I'm, I'm just telling you that that's what I, I was in and I can argue very strongly for what is wrong with modern medicine, why Christians shouldn't do it and all the rest of it. But I'm not interested in doing that anymore because it's not Jesus and it's not really that relevant because I don't think, I, I mean, had I spoken to you six years ago, I'd have told you why Christians shouldn't go to the doctor, what was wrong with medicine, what was demonic about medicine. I could have told you the whole lot, but I just don't, see life in those terms anymore so I'm not going to do that because it's not helpful and um, but I'm just telling you that because I've been there and I have experienced that so then you get this experience of how do you what happens if a bunch of Christians decide to trust God and not use the doctor and it's absolutely fascinating what happens and um, it's not all good <laughs> Some of it is good, but some of it is not good. So I'm just telling you that so that you know my experience of, of healing um, has been from one extreme to another extreme. And um, the, the interesting thing about what happens when you don't choose not to go to the doctor is you get a lot of this. You get a lot of theology to explain why people don't get healed. And it's really fascinating because a lot of people would say to me, so now you don't go to the doctor, now you don't believe in the doctor or take medicine, do you see a lot of people healed? Does everyone get healed? And the answer is no. And it's really sad because I'd love to say to you, if we all give up medicine and stop going to the doctor and believe, nobody gets sick and nobody 
nobody dies. But actually, people do get sick and do die. Um, so it was, it's quite fascinating. And a lot of people got healed. And a lot of people lived. The, the most interesting thing about living without going to the doctor is you do not ever indulge sickness. Do you know what I mean? You don't ever embrace sickness. Yeah. Sickness isn't an acceptable part of life. It's not a... It's not, oh, there, there. It's yeah. not a... You end up... And again, I'm not saying this is necessarily good, but you end up seeing it very much as your enemy and you fight it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that is good or whatever. So did they then live in a healthy lifestyle? Well, that's another, that's another really interesting aspect of healing. And in a way, I mean, I, that is part of what we need to talk about. Yeah later on but it's a really interesting point the the approach was not particularly healthy living as we would maybe think of it so for example pasajean i mean her lifestyle was appalling in in some aspects you know she'd have two tablespoons of salt in every meal she cooked um she'd eat whatever she wanted to eat because you know, if you bless it, it's going to be good for you. So that was her approach. But to be honest, she did it in faith. And I think, well, if you do that in faith, actually it works. And she's fit as anything. She's, I think she was 70 this year. So, you know, she's, <laughs> who can say anything about it? And she also fasted a lot. And she also could, you know, live, could eat nothing or eat a lot. So... <laughs> Don't you dare, I did not say that. <laughs> but I mean, in some ways, you begin to realise that f faith, faith works, even if that's what your faith is in. So her faith was very much in, God has given me this food, it is good, and it is going to bless my body, and that's what it is. And if that's what you believe, then I think there is some, you know, th th that works, that faith works. I think it's what, what you're doing in unbelief. If you're kind of eating six McDonald's a day and feeling guilty about it, then... But no, we didn't live... In those terms, no. But in terms of spiritual principles, um, it really makes you think a lot about your lifestyle. Um, now, the, the kind of sad thing about that whole episode was the teaching was a horrible mix of law and grace. And when you get a horrible mix of law and grace, it results in, yeah, it results in fear and not faith. So you get into this downward spiral and you get into a religious system, which is what it became. Um, so a religious systems always result in fear and it always results in, you know, just you, you, you can never do enough. So you can't fast enough. You can't repent enough. You can't, whatever you have to do, to get all your gymnastics. So that was the horrible aspect of it. But you learn a lot sometimes in horrible things. You really begin to learn what do I actually believe? And this doesn't work, you know. So you become very, very sensitive to a lot of religious kind of stuff. So so, um, so it was a fascinating, it was a fascinating time. Absolutely privileged to, you know, learn to minister and travel and loads of beautiful people, but eventually it was not for me any longer. Um, so that's why I 
uh, came back a couple of years ago. And to be honest, I had quite a tough time for the first year because you begin to, you know, you live a lifestyle for seven or eight years and you convince yourself about doing it because I'm not going to be a hypocrite. So if I'm not going to go to the doctor, then I need to be sure that I'm not going to the doctor because of my faith system. That's, that's how I would see it. So you, you, you begin to take on certain ideas and I really struggled because you end up with this pride, really, this spiritual pride going on that says, well, I've not been to the doctor. You know, I'm not taking painkillers. I'm not this. Um, and, and you end up with this group of people who kind of have this almost pride about the fact that they have done something. We've fasted 40 days twice a year. We don't go to the doctor. We don't do this. We don't. And it's not grace anymore. And it's not Jesus anymore. And it took me quite a long time. It's a, it's a really fascinating way because there's part of it that is really lovely and there's part of it that comes out of a heart of, God, I want the most and the best and everything that you have for me. Um, but for various reasons, it, in my opinion, just went a bit off. Anyway. So, um, I mean, the first year I was back, it was really fascinating because there were certain parts of my life that had, I had never seen a breakthrough. Um, so, so like I'd always had really terrible period pain. And the worst thing that happened in Malaysia is I took control of my body, commanded it to come into full operation as it should do. And I went from having a period every seven weeks to every month Every, which was not a great thing because then I got painful because I was trying, you know, because there is a principle of speaking to your body. I did speak. My whole cycle did come into line and came every month rather than every seven weeks, which was <laughs> just doubled the <laughs> misery as far as I could see. <laughs> but I never, ever got any breakthrough in ever getting rid of the pain. That doesn't mean to say I don't believe God heals. He does. It doesn't mean to say that you know, I cannot receive healing. I just never did. So you, you, I just, you, what happens is you begin to live your lifestyle, which just means that I just, I'm not, I'm fit for nothing for a couple of days. And I just, so anyway, um, you know, Dave and Pauline were there at my, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was up at their house in Scotland and I was there going to preach. And I got this awful, abscess on my tooth or something like that you know and you just can't open your mouth and my face was swollen like for two days because I never took painkillers you see for two days I'm there like up all night all day all night like holding my jaw like this and I had this massive conversation with God about about the purpose of suffering because we would have been told in Malaysia you know that well there's a purpose to your suffering and that you are adding to something of the suffering of Jesus. And, and I just got to the point with God saying, I'm really sorry, but I don't believe that me suffering toothache is adding anything to anybody whatsoever. But it took me two days. I'm just telling you this as part of my story. It took me two days to take a painkiller. And the reason I didn't want to do it is because I'd already had eight years without doing it. And I'd become holy by not doing it because I hadn't taken in this... Well, because of this, this world system of healing and, you know, it would contaminate you. Yeah. That was the kind of idea behind not using medicine, that it was we are holy in the temple of God and we shouldn't be using medication. That was, I'm not, I'm not teaching that, I'm just saying that this is my journey. So I've been in all of that 
And then for a whole, like the first year, it was really hard. I mean, it's just, and you think it was really hard for me going from being a consultant surgeon to having two nights and days dilemma taking an aspirin, you know, it's like um, just fascinating. And it's really, you know, fascinating the whole kind of extremes that you can go to. So I think for the first year of me being back, it took quite a long time. Plus you kind of got this, uh, by God's real grace and mercy to me in my time in Malaysia I had begun to understand the grace of God not because of what was being taught but because I realized what was being taught could not be true and I'd actually come into contact with a guy called Andrew Womack who I find really helpful and I think his teaching personally I understand his teaching on grace very well a lot some people don't like it because they still think he talks too much about having faith but to me, he makes more sense than most people on grace. But I guess you always like the one that you heard it from first, don't you? So anyway, so I'd listened to a lot of his stuff and I'd begun to understand grace. So so, um, so that's kind of my story. And that's what I'm going to teach you next time is the basis of, you know, that that's where I'm coming from. So I would now say that I... It makes you very wary, like we've talked over the last few weeks, of having anything based on your theology, you know, and, and kind of causing division by theology. Because we cause a lot of division because, you know, we were the elite in Malaysia who were really living the real Christian life and all those other Christians who just didn't have faith and went to the doctor. They were, it, it becomes like that because, and then you become an elite who is kind of doing something special for God and whatever. It's all nonsense. Um, I would say now my approach is I really don't believe Christians need to go to the doctor. I don't actually believe modern medicine is God's intention for us to get healing. But I believe it is his mercy to us and his part of his kindness, knowing the tension that we live in. So that would be my stance at the moment. Um, my... Um, choice would be not to but I wouldn't be afraid to if I had to go to the doctor so I wouldn't run to the doctor I don't think I don't believe I need my life is dependent on medicine to to live um so that's where I would be at the moment where I'll be in two years time anybody knows <laughs> maybe I'll be back <laughs> practicing I don't know um so that would be, so I've had quite a roller coaster journey of, you know, one extreme to another extreme to maybe a bit more extreme in another way now. Um, but I think that the Bible gives us a really strong basis for believing that what Jesus did to his disciples when he gave them power to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease is what he had intended for us. And that's why he, as a man, did what he saw the Father doing. And what the Father was doing was healing the sick. And he healed all. He never refused healing. He never decided somebody deserved to be sick. He didn't, um, he didn't, not everybody in Jerusalem was healed when Jesus was there because there is an interaction of faith. There's a response to the truth. There is a response to grace, which is called faith. Um, but God, Jesus never denied anybody healing. He never gave any of these reasons why. Uh, he never gave them theological loopholes to get through or, you know, circles to jump through or anything. And I don't think that was for that time. I think that was the model of the kingdom. And I think for lots of reasons over the 
years we have lost that. And my heart is that we get it back. And we don't get it back by being the best consultant gynecological surgeon that you can be, as good and as wonderful as that might be, and as happy as God would be with me doing that if I did that. But I do believe that medicine, in a way, hinders us as a church from really pursuing healing by either not ever getting sick, which I think is actually the ideal, which is why it's interesting you talk about healthy living, or by healing. Um, but God is much bigger than we think he is, and he can't be put in a box. And if you get healed by the doctor, thank God, it's just great. You know, that would be... Now, I couldn't have said that two years ago, but there you go, I said it. Um, so um, watch this space. We're going to talk about healing in the atonement, which is what Jesus did on the cross and how it was pictured in the... Um, in the Old Testament and realized in the New Testament. So. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.